I'm feeling much, much better. And I actually now can wear my wedding ring. I couldn't do that. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Another very interesting story to share with you today. We have Hannah, who is going to be talking about Hashimoto's and also rheumatoid arthritis. We've got some new looks at some familiar topics today, including the onset of the disease and the relationship with antibiotics, uh, post-pregnancy severity of symptoms, stress, exercise deficiency, and of course, all the good stuff, which is what Hannah is doing now to have less symptoms and the talk she's having about coming uh, onto a tapering program with her rheumatologist. She's originally from the Ukraine, her and her husband, but now they live here in Australia. And so it's a pleasure to welcome you, Hannah, and introduce you to our community. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Clint, um, for having me. <laughs> I'm so um I'm so excited to be part of um this program and, and this podcast. <laughs> um yes, it's exciting. Yes. So tell us. You know, we like to start off with something really positive and sharp and snappy before you started the program versus how you feel now. Can you give us a quick insight? Yeah, absolutely. So before um, I started Parkinson program, I was on autoimmune protocol, uh, which includes a lot of uh, fat, fried food, meat and fish, and of course, also vegetables and fruits. So before program, I had uh, pain in my fingers, pain in my toes, pain in my ribs, uh, pain in my back, and pain in my hip. And I actually had to do hip replacement uh, four weeks ago. And also after meals, um, when I was on after immune protocol, I had extreme fatigue. I have fullness in my stomach. Sometimes I even couldn't sleep if I eat a little bit too late, um, and my stools were not regularly. And I feel like the partisan program and the, the vegan plant-based diet, this is what I was looking for for years. Because I, I feel like I had meat and fish, I had been eating fish and meat so much in my life that I had enough of it. <laughs> and I and I was so glad that, oh, finally I can now eat quinoa and buckwheat and enjoy that and enjoy lots of uh, plant food based. So when I started a uh, partisan program, I started to feel lightness in my stomach, stool some more regular now. And I didn't have this fatigue after meals. I had lots of energy and I started to feel more. Um, so my, my mind is working sharper. This is what I, before I was, you know, um, I think I was thinking too slow. I didn't understand what my kids are talking to me about, but now I can think quicker. And my symptoms, I'm symptoms free now. Only sometimes I have somewhere in my um, 
in my uh, fingers or toes some pain, but I think it caused uh, if I do too much exercises, but in general, um, I'm feeling much, much better. And I actually, I, I didn't wear it today, but I actually now can um, wear my wedding ring. I couldn't do that. You, you, you know what I mean? You know, people with rheumatoid arthritis, they understand what I mean. So now I, I can wear it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. And how does this Thank make you, you feel? It makes me feel so, so good. And I'm looking forward to future because before I didn't know. Okay, so I, I was just living one day at a time. You know, one day I'm still alive. Okay. <laughs> then another day I'm still alive. All right. Uh, now I'm looking forward to future. I'm I'm thinking about okay next step in my career. I'm looking forward to play with my kids, do more exercises, more travel. I didn't think about it before. I'm looking forward to life. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's dive into the uh, details here. Um, we love to explore the possible cause or association with certain triggers that onset the disease. You and I pieced a few of these bits of the puzzle together before we hit recording here, and it was really exciting to see how this unfolded for you. You had an onset of a lot of bladder infections when you were a late teenager, and so the treatment for those was, of course, antibiotics. So Tell us about how often this happened and how much antibiotics you think that you took. So the first onset happened, I think, when I was at school year nine or year 10, something like that. And we didn't, the first one, we failed to treat the blood infection. So it went to my kidney. So it was a very, very bad situation. And then the emergency had to come and give me strong, strong uh, painkillers and antibiotics. And then after this episode, I started to have um, blood infections very, very regularly. Like when I was cold, I I could have it, um, I don't know, even once to three months, I think, uh, blood infection. And they gave me antibiotics, of course. And no one talked to me about um, importance of restore my gut balance after antibiotics. I never thought about it as well. There was no literature about it. So I just I just was taking antibiotics um, and didn't think about the causes. It's exactly the same as myself. And so I think, uh, you know, if you've taken five, six more courses of antibiotics uh, and you're nodding along to that, yeah, so I was similar. I did, I did that and more for multiple years for acne because i had uh, con- self-consciousness about my acne around about the same age i was in about year 10 i started that and then you and i have a parallel from there as well we both then went to university and we know that university years you you're living a uni lifestyle you're not eating well you're eating on a budget you're spending a lot of time socializing and so on it's not formative years for the microbiome at all is it Absolutely no. And when I was a student, I was I started to work in um like McDonald's cafe. It it's similar to McDonald's. So you know what the food like here, uh, there. And of course I ate this their food. So this is how I 
at when I was at uni. So not healthy at all. I didn't remember, did I eat fruits and veggies for maybe sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we really can see how this is coming along, right? So we're taking tons of antibiotics and the research tells us very clearly that the amount of antibiotics we take increases our risk of developing RA and also the recency. And although you may have not developed RA for some years later, uh, you've gone on and you've done anything but improve the gut. You've actually worsened it with with poor eating. Uh, did you have digestive issues throughout your 20s? I don't recall. I think at that stage, oh, I remember when I was at uni, I had a pain. Oh, I just remember that. I had a pain in my stomach or somewhere there, um, yeah, in my stomach, and I went to hospital, yeah, and they told me that we have to check your, we have to do um, gastroscopy, but they have been, they, they wanted to do it without anesthetic, without anything, and I just rejected it, and I just ran away, and I think it settled somehow, but I haven't checked myself regularly, mm. but I did have, I did have some pain. Mm. And the first symptom that you experienced, was that your hip, and when did that begin? Um, it started after my second pregnancy. I think the first, um, so the hip, I think that's not the first symptom. I think the first symptom was after my first pregnancy in 2013, uh, when I started to have extreme fatigue. People didn't understand how much fatigue was going on in my body. They couldn't, they couldn't. Because I was telling uh, even my mom, my husband, like, I don't have energy. I, I don't have, I, I can't do that. Um, and they were like, oh, why are you so slow? Why you can't do this and that? I just didn't have energy. I was wanted to sleep all the times. And I didn't have iron. And I took lots of iron supplements and it didn't work. So I think the fatigue was the first, the first symptom. And then uh, after second pregnancy, it was a heap at the end of second pregnancy in 2019. Mm. Okay. Now, your hip progressed, and as you said at the top of the call here, that you ended up having to get a hip replacement. That's been scheduled uh, well before you actually began Patterson program. It's been a long-term thing. Um, We'll get to that shortly, but let's talk about the onset of Hashimoto's. And we see this all the time. If anyone's listening to this with Hashimoto's, and they're wondering whether or not to start the Patterson program, you ought to get onto this like your butt's on fire because so often we see Hashimoto's for a few years develop into rheumatoid arthritis, and it's only when rheumatoid arthritis hits does basically the life change to the extent where you know people take massive action. But it's such a common trend, Hashimoto's, then RA. And that's exactly- and not just two of them, not just two of them. So I've I've heard that if you have one of the new disease, then there is a big, big chance you're gonna have, have second, third, fourth, and all of them if you don't stop it. Right. Does well, it- I would say mm-hmm. that your chance now of that has been plummeted because you're now intervening in a way that's so powerful that. Let's uh, you know, touch wood, but with a lot of confidence, I'd say that you probably now are going to uh, stop there at two. Um, so tell us about Hashimoto's. How did that come along? 
Uh, I mean, what what was your discovery of that? What did that feel like? What symptoms? What medications were you put on? Yeah. So um, after first pregnancy, we wanted to try the second child, but we failed. Um, I had a mis- miscarriage, um, and we couldn't. I couldn't get pregnant, and I went to specialist, um, infertility specialist in Melbourne here, um, and she discovered that I have Hashimoto. And she thought that it might be cause that I couldn't um, become pregnant. And she put me on hormones replacement. So she gave me hormones, medication, and she told me that you need to now uh, monitor it with your GP, the um, hormones. Um, in terms of how I felt before and after hormones, um, so the symptoms of Hashimura, I think the big one was uh, for me the heartbeat, the the um, heart palpitations. I had heart palpitations. Um, my heart was beating so fast sometimes that I couldn't understand what's going on, why it's happening, and I drank coffee. That um, I didn't understand that I should stop it, but I think it was one of the symptoms, the heart palpitations. Um, and then fatigue and weight gain. I couldn't lose weight. Couldn't lose weight. Doesn't matter what I was eating. And I think it was part of Hashimura. Mm-hmm. When I um, started to take these hormone replacements, um, I started to feel more energy and um, heart palpitations were um, um, not so frequent. And then and were you able? Pregnant. And, and I became pregnant. And you fell pregnant again. That's yeah. great. Great. Did you monitor your TSH levels, and are they under control now on a stable, consistent dose of thyroid meds? They are. They are consistent. They are good. But what was interesting for me, what I discovered, because I always ask my specialists, not just monitor my uh, hormones levels, TCH and some other things they're monitoring, but also antibodies, uh, which shows how much my immune system attacking my thyroid. And what was interesting, when with Melbourne Functional Medicine, we dropped um, gluten and dairy products, my antibodies became normal. I was like, I was on a, on a moon and I was so surprised uh, presently that, oh, um, that's great. Um, and we were started even to think about winning these um, hormones because they, they are telling that um, a lot of the time, so gluten is very similar to thyroid cells. And when you have allergy to gluten or sensitivity to gluten, your immune system will attack gluten and thyroid at the same time. So when I drop gluten and dairy, and I've done a blood test, which shows that I have allergy to gluten. So when I stopped dairy and gluten, I lost weight and, and my antibody were down. Well done. Okay, normal. great. So, so you were normal. you've got no antibody now, which is great. You're on, the, uh, you're on stable levels of the thyroid medications, which is... Uh, far less on the uh, on the fearful side than a lot of the RA meds. And now you've then uh, tried. Oh well, let's let's talk about the onset of rheumatoid. 
So this has happened again, um, which is really, really common after a pregnancy or the symptoms really come about more severely after childbirth. And I did an interview with Richard Matthews some years ago on this podcast, and he went through all the science behind why this occurs. And it's related to the precipitous change in hormones that occurs after we have the child. And so we know that that time is a very vulnerable time for the body to experience elevated symptoms, inflammatory arthritis symptoms. Was that your experience? Um, Yes, it was. It was, but it was just the beginning of my flare up. The hip was just the beginning. Then about one year later, in 2020, I think, or 2021, um, yeah, 2021. So we had these lockdowns, coronaviruses, school learning, lots of stress, um, no social um, activity. Um, I I dropped, so I decided that I'm, I'm going to try body ecology diet. I don't know why I decided. I thought that I'm, I was eating uh, too much sugar and pro- I, I probably do have candida. So I decided to try um, the body ecology diet, uh, where I excluded all sugar, including all um, fruits, no, no fruits at all. And I introduced the coconut um, kefir, homemade coconut kefir. I introduced it, and I don't know, maybe it triggered it. One week later, I started to have pain in my shoulders. So at night, I started to feel, oh, I have pain and I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I was struggling to move my hands and shoulders. And then it, every day it progressed, it progressed, progressed, progressed. And at some point, about one week later, I could hardly move. I could hardly walk. I could not do go to work to the office. So I was on sick leave. I, I couldn't do anything at home, looking after my kids. I couldn't wash myself. I couldn't push the um the car, the, the door car. I couldn't mm-hmm. cut potatoes. You know, people with rheumatoid arthritis will understand what I mean. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't sleep. And then I decided um, I need to go to hospital because it's not uh, progressing. Uh, it's not. It's not improving. Uh, my husband thought that I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I went to hospital. They done lots of tests, whatever they. Um, so I've been there for a week, but they didn't tell me the diagnosis. And then they, my GP referred me to a rheumatologist. I had no idea who is who is rheumatologist at that point. And he told me that I have seronegative rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory arthritis. And it's still seronegative. For two years, it didn't become positive. And she put me on metrotrexate and hydrocortoquine. I'm going to um, fast forward a little bit now. So you've been on... Uh, did you say hydro hydroxychloroquine, which is Plaquenil, methotrexate as well? Yes, methotrexate as well. Okay, 
Now, then you've tried the AIP diet after you've come off this other one, which appears to be associated with a dramatic worsening of symptoms, doing homemade coconut kefir, which I wouldn't recommend in my rest of my lifetime for anyone. Um, and and uh, now you've stirred things up. So I want to get to the stuff where you tell us what's working. You know what what should what what's your lifestyle interventions now that you find most valuable. Um, so clearly you are having troubles with the AIP. Tell us just some of those issues, and then tell us now what's working for you within the Patterson program set of tools. Yeah. So what's working for me? Exercises. It's so, so crucial. It's so, so important. That's uh, as, as you told uh, in one of the um, interviews, podcasts, it is part of medicine. It's like food. Um, you have to eat every day. You have to do exercises. You have to be active every day. This is working for me. Then uh, meditation. Meditation is working for me. Um, every day, at least five, 10 minutes, you have to meditate. And I'm also doing the breath walks. Um, after each, each time when I go to bathroom, I do some slow breathing. So this is working for me. So exercises, medication, diet. Diet is very crucial. Sleep. Sleep is so, so important. Positive mindset. And I'm working on my thoughts at the moment because I don't know why, but, but for, for for whatever reason, our mind, our, our mind would like to tell us negative things. And, and our mind is telling, oh, you can't do that, or you you are not healthy, or you're weak, or whatever. But I'm I'm currently working on my thoughts to make them positive instead of negative. And positive visualization. So every morning. Uh, before I wake up, I just lay down in my bed and I'm imagining uh, all things I would like to achieve and how I would like to feel, what activities I would like to do, all these things, and just feel it, just feel it. Sun, nature, nature is, is a treasure, nature is a medicine. When I at work, when I'm in the office, every day in lunchtime, I have to go outside to the local park and just do Tai Chi or sit or whatever. Nacha. I think these things. Yeah. yeah, this is good. This is good. You've, uh, you're a wonderful student, Hannah. You do all of the things that I recommend <laughs> and you do them well. So let me see. In amongst that, let's get specific with exercise. What exactly have you found at the moment works for you? So at the moment, because I've done just hip replacement, I can't do much for my lower lower uh, body. I'm doing just the physiotherapy exercises. They gave me specific exercises, and every week I'm progressing. For my upper body, I was I was doing the exercises you recommended cleaned, um, and I'm hanging from a bar every day. That's awesome. I'm just hanging. I'm hanging. I'm not pulling up. I'm not doing pull-ups, no. <laughs> but I have been doing it for a while. And it's so good for shoulders because I had pain before in shoulders. 
in my neck and shoulders. So when I started to do this hanging, it helped me so much. Before you move on, with the hanging, are you allowing your elbows to be relaxed? Like your arms are straight up. You're not sort of holding a, you're not holding on like that. You're actually like, yeah. Yes, just relax. Just relax and let it let it it stretch as it should, as it wants to stretch. Yeah, I'm just relaxed. Yeah, but at the end, I'm trying. At the end, I'm trying to pull up because this is my dream to do at least one pull up. (laughs) Maybe, maybe yes, maybe not. I will see. Um, I love it. I love it. Okay, so this is. I want to uh, get some clarity around this for people. So you've, is your overhead bar at home or did you install one above the doorway or do you go to a local park or a gym? It is in my uh, backyard. My husband has done it um, several years ago for himself. He's doing exercises. And my two boys, two kids, are, I'm pushing them to do exercises. Um, yeah, and I'm using it as well. So it's in my backyard. Um, how long did it take you before you could hang with your own full body weight? And before that, were you having your toes on the ground and just trying? Oh, it took a while. It took a while. The, the most difficult part is that you have sensitive parts here. <laughs> and when you start, it hurts. But when um, but when there's a progress, it's becoming harder here. And you can then hand. So it's it's about this part to strengthen this part. I think it took me, I don't know, maybe maybe even a month to I'm be trying able to every do day. It. Yeah, but I'm very. I was very patient. I was trying every day. The main thing is consistent, consistently every day. And it take me. You know, I'm, I go outside to to wash to to water my garden, and just just five seconds or three seconds. Three seconds, that's it, done. That's it. That's it. That's it. You're you're saying all the things I was hoping you would say. This is what we want to do. So Mm. we want to make it so simple and so available that there's no excuse not to. And you can put a little platform under your feet, reach up, hold the bar, try and take your body weight. If you can't, keep your feet on on the platform that's safe and stable under you. And then each day, just try, just try, just try. Now, how would you say that your shoulders are before and after that that intervention? Much better. I was having pain, especially after walking office walk or sitting after computer, sitting next to computer. It's it's much better, and it's more flexible. It's more flexible. It's very good stuff if you have pain in shoulders. It's yeah, and well, for parents with um, kids, every playground, every school playground, they have monkey bars. Yeah, do there. I I do that. If I if I go to playground with my kids, I do that. They do that, and I do it with them. I love it. I love it. Okay, great. So we've talked about shoulders, which is really helpful. I appreciate you sharing there. Um, what about your hands? Was there anything particular that you found most helpful for the hands or did the hands just seem to improve um, alongside developing your grip strength by trying to hang um, and with the improvements to the diet? I think diet is the magic course that it's because if it's swollen, you can't do much if it's swollen. So diet um, plus medication 
they improved it. And I was doing a lot of that. Yeah, I was doing these moments, this moment. I actually doing stretches now three times per day. It take me uh, it take me five minutes, three times per day. Just stretch every part of the body, neck, um, then shoulders, then wrists, um, you know, elbows, and then just go, go, go down five minutes. And it's so, so helpful. Stretches and exercises, they are they are so, so helpful to control our symptoms. Do you normally do it later in the day when the body feels a little more warmed up or do you get into it straight as, straight away? Straight away. So um, my my morning routine is that the first visualization, then I do positive affirmations. I have a um, notebook when I read my positive affirmations and I read them every morning. Then I do oil pooling with coconut oil. Then I brush my teeth. I I drink lots of water, couple glasses at least in the morning, and then I do the stretches right away. These five minute stretches, and then I um yeah dress up, and then I do breakfast. Then I eat breakfast. Fantastic. Within the food spectrum, what are your favorite meals? And anything else that you include in your diet that you think is most helpful? Um, salads, leafy yeah. greens, yeah, leafy greens, sprouts, and I'm sprouting myself. Yeah, so purchase in Sydney sprouts uh, website. They purchase special container with a with a top, and it's so easy. Alfalfa sprouts, they're so easy to do. It's it's very easy. I love quinoa uh, with seaweed. And my child loves my He's four and a half. Every time when he see I'm eating uh, quinoa, he goes, mom, for me as well. And if it is not with, if it is without seaweed, he's like, not, not the same, put seaweed as well. Uh, this is my favorite. Cabbage. Uh, today, uh, in the morning, I've eaten oats. Oats with um with spoon of honey. Uh-huh. Yes, but, yeah, but honey. I eat special. Yeah, but I eat special oats, wheat free or gluten free. Yeah, just to clarify something there, oats are actually gluten free. But what can happen is the crops can get contaminated by the crops next door to the oats, which might be wheat or barley. And I grew up on a farm. I know how this works. You use the same machinery. You use the same harvester to harvest your wheat crop, to harvest your oat crop, to harvest your barley crop. And we've had all of those on our farm as I was growing up. And it does. It it just gets mixed up. I mean, this is the practicalities of running a farm. They all go into the same silos. They end up going through the same processes. And so you can't help but get a little bit. And I might be talking about less than a percent, but just a tiny little bit of those grains end up in with the with the oats. And if you've got celiac disease, that's too much. And if you've got non-celiac gluten sensitivity, it also may trigger some symptoms. So you can access gluten-free oats, which are just really isolated in their 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 farming practices. And therefore you can sidestep any of the triggers that may come with the presence of gluten. 
So I just wanted to, you know, you're not eating something weird. You're eating something that's been carefully pr- produced. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I also love uh, miso paste and I started to do my homemade sauerkraut. Oh, how about that? Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. It was it, it actually a traditional food in my country in Ukraine. Um, lots of family are eating um, sauerkraut. Do you have the same name or do you have a different name for it? It's different name. Huh, I'd be curious. Do you remember what? Kvashina kapusta, but you don't understand it. No, 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 that's never one that I've spoken through these lips. Uh, Wow. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, it's good that you're moving into the fermented foods without trouble. The more fermented foods that we can eat without symptoms, the better off we'll be. So well done. The miso is a great start. Now you're into your sauerkraut or that really difficult name you just said, and it's exciting. That's exciting. And you've got the mindset. You've got the visualization. These are excellent, excellent things. All right. Well, you and I spoke right before we kicked off and you said that you've you're going to recover from the the hip replacement with doing all the physical therapy and then you feel so good that you're going to start talking to your rheumatologist about some tapering of medications. Are you still on the hydroxychloroquine and the methotrexate? That's right. That's Great. right. Great. So the question would be to the doctor how to go about the the tapering and, uh, you know, there might be some uh, debate about which one to start first, but typically you would start one and then work to get one down to zero, and then you'd be left with one, and then you're slowly going down that one too. Has that been the early discussions? Yeah, so I actually am going to two rheumatologists. One is public, and it's it's difficult to talk about public rheumatologists about uh, tapering medication. And another is private. And my private rheumatologist, he's not just treating a uh, patient with medications. He's talking about medications and a diet. And he actually heard about partisan program and he said, yeah, that's good. Try it and tell me how you feel. He's actually waiting for me. So we had a discussion about lowering methotrexate first. Um, before my surgery, and he said, okay, so keep keep doing partisan program, um, do hip replacement, recover after hip replacement, and then come to me, and we will talk about strategy, how we're going to lower it. Mm, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, awesome. I would love to get an update from you down the track. I think you're such a candidate to uh, have a taper of your medications, given how how you feel and you've got the right medical support, you've got all the right pieces in place with your lifestyle. So uh, it's all very exciting for your future. And I appreciate you sharing all that you've all, all of the insights as to how this may have came about. Uh, you know some of these themes like Hashimoto's, then rheumatoid arthritis, antibiotics used very frequently in our youth, and then the development of autoimmune disease, symptoms returning or or flaring up after pregnancy. That's a very, very common theme. Um, And then also, you know, doing dietary interventions that aren't scientific to stir up symptoms and then eating things like autoimmune protocol, which is like a halfway step to ideal uh, ideal eating and, and microbiome restoration. 
because it still retains foods that are known to be inflammatory to increase the translocation of lipopolysaccharide into the bloodstream to increase leaky gut. And so we know these things, and despite their popularity, people keep doing them. So I need stories like your wonderful stories to shine a light on the truth and illustrate uh, ways of things not to do and to ultimately uh, get onto the right path and a path that is sustainable for health long-term and not a titanic diet, as I call them, like the ketos and paleos and AIPs and carnival, these titanic diets that in due course will sink and sink you to the bottom. That's right. That's right. There are um, two more things, Clint, I wanted to mention, which I think helped me as well. One of them is that um, make sure that they have all vitamins and minerals because I was low vitamin D, very low. But, you know, um, my doctor didn't pay attention much in that. And I didn't also understand the impact of that. So I had done nothing about it for years. Now, now, of course, I'm good. I'm making sure that I'm taking uh, vitamin D. I'm checking it regularly, um, so it's good. Um, the second thing is toxins. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto disease, I um, read, read a book, um, Hashimoto Solution, uh, by Isabella Weiss. And she was talking about a lot about gluten, meditation, dairy, and um, also toxins. And I started to make sure that uh, my house is cleaner, uh, my, you know, my body products are much cleaner, my food is cleaner, my water is cleaner. So I also, I think it also took a big, big um, role in my recovery. Right. Yep, for sure. These are great things. The first two no-brainer things that I'm rolling out now in our coaching program is these uh, optimization of vitamin D and omega-6 to 3 ratio. These are two things that we can easily achieve and two things which are very measurable and have a huge impact on disease outcome. So if we can optimize our vitamin D and optimize our omega-6 to 3 ratio straightforwardly, much more easily than some of the other uh, objectives that we're, that we're working on, um, we should be doing that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Great work. You really have a lot of these things covered, uh, really on top of so much of the principles here. So it's it's great. Thank you, Clean. You're, you're doing so great job um, with with all community. You have so many people, and I'm um, um, I'm keep listening. Even still, you have so many resources, so many videos to listen and to learn. And every time when I listen new video, I learn something new. So you're doing a fantastic job. Well, thank you, Anna. And thanks for contributing to that collection of uh, information. Now, people will be watching or listening to you and have learned a lot, I'm sure, from today. So thanks so much and good luck on the next stage of your healing mission. Thank you so much, Clean. And good luck to everyone in community. I wish you all to be healthy and healthy. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.